All right, listeners, welcome to episode nine of the Miduele podcast. We're really doing this. We're really getting a lot of episodes here. Uh, This is fun to do. We're especially grateful for Geno Smith and Chris Peterson who join us on this podcast. Uh, They share some of their stories about managing the team and being part of this team for the last, man, 20 years. They really carried us for a long time and uh, set the precedent when it came to our culture and and what we believe in and, and how we ride. So we're grateful for them. They spend about an hour with us sharing some some real classic stories uh, in true fashion. So we're grateful to have them on. We'd also like a big shout out to Volet <clears throat> as they sponsor the team. All of our apparel and uh, all the, the gear that we wear comes from Volet. We're thankful for them and thankful for the race series that they've helped plan with Zwift. Starting uh, on January 19th, Tuesday night races will start back up. You can go to the Volet website to register, see the races. There's five weeks worth of Zwift races coming up, sponsored by Volet, with lots of fun prizes and swag, and uh, it's just a good time. So check it out. We're grateful for them. All right. So on with the podcast. Thanks. All right. Welcome to the Me Dwelle podcast. Stuart Anderson here. I've got just a couple announcements and updates before we introduce uh, our guests and who is along with me. First is an update from Morton Pedersen. Uh, he actually sent me a text that I'm going to read. He wanted me to read it on the podcast uh, live. So he says, um, I just want to thank everyone for supporting me and my wife by reaching out, donating their time and even money. It's been very overwhelming and heartwarming. I'm currently waiting my transplant surgery, but luckily I've been allowed to live outside the hospital in the apartment my wife and I are renting temporarily here in Indiana. There's still a long way to go for me, but with the support from friends, family, and such that I've received from Miduele, I'm sure I'll get through it. Once again, thank you. So Morton Pedersen's waiting on a transplant from a wreck he had uh, on his bike in October. So super grateful for everyone supporting him. And uh, obviously he's got uh, great spirits, but let's keep him in our thoughts and prayers. And even if we want to send him a text or a message, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. So all the best to Morton and uh, keep it up, dude. Uh, so join with me today, Spencer Chipping and Gino Smith and Chris Peterson. We're so excited. We've been waiting for this episode for a long time. Say hello, everybody. Hey. Hello. Hey, guys. We are, uh, we're grateful to have Gino and Chris on. I'm going to introduce Chris and give you just a little bit of background on him. Uh, Chris was actually the very first yellow jersey recipient on the team. And I say that because when I joined the team, Chris was who I looked to as the mentor as the example of what Miduele was all about, especially because I was like, why, why does a guy do what Chris does and think it's fun? He's like, he would go on this ride. I watched him do a double loop of white rim. And when I was like, how was it? He was like, Oh, it was the worst, but I loved every minute of it. (laughs) I'm like, dude, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, But I, uh, his teammates, so when Chris was nominated, it says, Chris has been a faithful member of Miduele for years. He's the first to team rides. Crazy enough to do the the BFR. Hopefully we'll talk about that. <laughs> He's oh a friend to, friend to all, loves bikes, and loves sharing bikes with others even more. He's constantly happy, upbeat, and encouraging to all those who know him. But most importantly, he can suffer. So welcome, Chris. Grateful to have you on. Thank you. It's good to be here. A lot of fun doing this. Um, along with Chris Peterson here, we have Gino. And that name, 
everybody knows. Whether you have just joined the team uh, recently or you have been with the team for a long time, that just the name is Gino. Most likely don't even know his full name. Just, just <laughs> when the word or name or phrase Gino comes up, it's well-respected amongst Midwelly team members. Um, Gino and Chris ran the team before Stu and I did. And you know, I, I was a young new member of the team and um, I learned very quickly that Gino was just the kingpin of, of Midwelly. Um, naturally, I wanted to get to know Gino, ride with him. And before I knew it, Gino became a mentor of mine. I found myself asking Gino questions about uh, races and events. And uh, I, it, what piqued my interest immediately is Gino wanted to win. And, and I learned that um, from Gino. I, I, uh, I learned how to train during the week and during the month to go to events ready to perform and, and was not only intimidated but intrigued on, you know, I, I'm learning here. Um, you know, there were, there were race conversations that would go on throughout the week and, and, and Gino was intense. It was not, it was not always just a ride to ride. It was more of a ride for, for preparation and we would work and that's how we would learn how to execute. Um, when I was first getting started, I, one of the, entries that I entered into is the Snowbird Hill Climb. And I rode that with Gino a couple of years. Um, and I, I saw Gino win that Snowbird Hill Climb. And then uh, I will never forget the inaugural tour of Utah, you guys, for everybody listening. That's a great one. This group on here rode, and at the time was a race uh, the, the tour of Utah was a race that started in Park City and Midwelly had the largest group of members show up for this event and kind of led out the pack from uh, Park City Mountain Resort is where that race began that year and Midwelly and and just led it and Gino again uh, just driving the the pack on how we would we would lead out. Um, I remember Ed Chonner won the uh, the, the hill climb that day. So another thing about Gino, um, just a extremely strong mountain biker, strong passion for racing mountain biking. I really gained a lot of my interest in, in mountain biking, both from Gino and Chris. Um, and to this day, Gino has a lot of, uh, is on the leaderboard um, for some of the fastest times even participated in the Park City point to point this past year in the virtual event, um, much faster than me. And uh, so a longstanding reputation that goes along with Midwelly as far as winning and mentorship. So that's Gino. And I think, I think one of the cool things about this, that I mean, if, if you haven't gathered from the podcast already, the reason that, you know, maybe not everybody can ride together but to know these two is to know our examples are kind of the, the men to look to the mentors. They both wear a yellow Jersey uh, on purpose. So, so we can look to them and kind of learn from them. And this is probably the last serious thing that we'll say 
on this podcast before we get into just kidding. Uh, I'm very excited for all the stories and stuff that are uh, on our little outline here that we're going to work through. But uh, I think first thing first, Chip, why don't we talk about history and kind of how you, both of you connected with the team and, and got involved? Do you want to leave that out, Chip? Yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, you guys have heard Stu and I give kind of the history of Midwelly as we started out this podcast. The gap that we want to cover with you guys is how, talk about when you took the torch of, <laughs> I, am, I am running this club. Let, we want to hear from Chris, you go first, and then Gino, just okay. tell us, how did you take the torch of running this club? Well, that's uh, that's kind of a funny thing the way it works, and you might relate to this. It's uh, you know I connected with uh, Ken Jones back in the ninth and ninth days of Medule, and uh, Ken was kind of headed up, and uh, in his Ken Jones sort of way said, "Hey, why don't you uh, can you help me with the clothing a little bit?" And it's it's sort of like becoming the Dread Pirate Roberts. You don't really plan on that, as it's it's not a planned career path. It just sort of happens, <laughs> and so. He very cleverly kind of slid that responsibility off on me. And, uh, you know, if you're dealing with clothing, that puts you front and center. You interact with everybody. And by default, you sort of become it. So that's sort of how it happened. And then that, uh, Gino, I'm sure can very much relate to that. Uh, uh, again, if you're, if you're handling the clothing, you're, you're just there. You know, everybody's got to deal with you. Uh, we really didn't have a, quite as fluent of a system, so. That's really how, uh, how I got started then, uh, of course, got into it, uh, met Ken, and then ran into a lot of the rest of sort of the, uh, the crew back then, the Dan Mosers, Tom Uranas, and that. Uh, they, uh, they knew I'd uh, done Loaded Jaw once before. Ken had done it before, too, but uh, some of those other guys came in, and they looked to us for guidance. So, uh, again, uh, Chris, showing how gullible they are, you know. Why don't you say what year that was also, just so we have a reference. Early, uh, early 90s. Early 90s, okay. So early 90s. For the real history back before me, you need to go to Jim Morgan because he is he is truly the godfather. Yep. <laughs> I think he was actually born on a Medule ride. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gino? Yeah, so interesting story here. So um, I was a, a climber before I was a cyclist. And um, there was a year, it was, it, was, it was 2002, 2001, I think. Um, my kids were getting old enough to play their own sports. And I was always missing their sports because I was going climbing. And my wife, Holly, looked at me like one day like, Gino, what are you doing? So I, I also had a really weird year climbing. I took some giant falls. Um, never decked, but it was just climbing became not fun. So I called up my buddy, Dave Sharp, and I said, Dave, you know, I know you ride with these Medwelly guys, and I want to ride, but I don't want to ride alone, but I'm not strong enough to ride with these guys. What do you think? Should I give it a shot? So I, I, I actually rode, I think, for one or two years, maybe, before I had enough nerve to to go out with the group. And when I did, I was hooked and I met Chris, who's become one of my, my best friends. And um, I, I really learned what it meant to suffer. And then of course, you know, when you're riding with Sharp, right? You never have an easy day. No ride is just a ride. 
Um, so some time went on and then uh, there was a, a kind of a changing of the guard that Chris just talked about when he was asked to help with clothing. And there were a couple of other guys that no one liked that were making a play to take over the team. And I went to Chris said, Chris, we got to stop this now. So we just took it over. <laughs> oh, that is it was great. I can't really name the year and I, I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't think anyone would be able to figure it out except if those guys were listening, but, um, and hopefully they're not, but anyway. Hostile takeover. We, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was almost a hostile takeover, but it never got to that point. But, um, and then um, I was really interested in doing these coming up with these rides that, you know, Chris and I would think of these crazy rides that I don't remember, Chris, those types of rides happening beforehand. Maybe they were, but it seemed like we were doing the same ride every Saturday. And, um, you know, I got tired of doing the damn tour or whatever it was called. So we, we came up with these, these crazy schemes and it caught on with the group and it's just grown from there. It's fun. You know, and I, you know, I think that's, that's a, that's a huge thing right there that I actually wanted to address. I think that is, that is part of who we are as Meduole is that sense of we're not just going to go out and do <laughs> whatever generic tour 101. It's got to be something creative and fun. And one of those ones where people go, really? And that's, that's the draw. That's the magnetism right there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, we just come up with something that's like, that would be fun. I wonder what would happen if we tried that. Is that going to work? And totally. kind of the more over the top it was, the more people wanted to go. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember I remember being in the saddle at, at 5.30 in the morning thinking, man, I could be home making pancakes or, and then, and then, you know, seven hours later, coming up the backside of Big Mountain and 100 degrees i was thinking you know my family's at the pool the tennis club or somewhere you know what am i doing here but i wouldn't miss it i wouldn't have missed it for anything yeah well i think i think chris says it best doesn't he say we we put the ooh in stupid for a lot of years <laughs> we, we put we put the o in stupid yeah the o. <laughs> at this point we debate like how many o's does this write how many o's yeah. do we put in stupid on this ride so good dude china had us up china had us up to three o's last summer uh nice well i i just want to make mention of the importance of you guys taking lead with with maintaining and taking over the team because of where it has um led to i mean i think it's just an important piece of history so yeah. Very cool. Someday maybe we will hear that uh, full story on a ride, um, not to be published here, but I really uh, like hearing that. Uh, okay, speaking of the three O's in, in Stupid, um, there is a Facebook post of, I think, Stuart, Chris, and I at the snow line in Mill Creek, and I think the title that I titled it is 24 Degrees yeah. And it was April um, morning. And that just, that's what made that event so, that day so fun because, you know, you ride to the snow line. These days we're hiking the bikes through the snow to get to the cement on the other side. But um, 
what I what I think is cool about Midueli and this group can share it is if a race is is thrilling and we train for that, but some of these rides that you guys started to do and that we have incorporated into the team are just as thrilling or as exciting as racing yeah. is the adventure the adventure. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I I I actually enjoyed our training rides more than racing. Mm -hmm. I thought actually racing was prepping for our normal ride. <laughs> because Very a race good. is easy compared to a yeah, general totally. Midwelly ride. So uh, talk about your history of racing, Gino. You, you've raced um, road and mountain for so many years. Yeah, you know, I, I would race, like a lot of guys, two or three times a week. And I, it kind of consumed me. And I, I'm sure that so many listening to the podcast can, can relate to that. Um, when I, when I, years later in, in my riding history there, I mean, there came a time, it actually just, I don't know, five years ago when I started climbing again, um, I started to ride for fun. And um, I'd made a decision not to race anymore. And it's actually been the, the most fun I've had riding in 20 years of riding. And so that's, that's just some advice I, I throw out to folks that racing's great and it, it keeps you strong and keeps you on the edge and competition is great. Um, but, you know, it has an impact on your lifestyle and it had an impact on my lifestyle and my personality. Um, I, I listened to a podcast with, with John Olson and Spencer and John are kind of talking trash about me a little bit saying mm -hmm. I was intimidating. I don't think I was, um, but maybe, <laughs> oh, come on. maybe a little, but, um, but uh, I, I am a, you know, a become a different person. I think riding for fun now and uh, being learning to be a little bit nicer cyclist. So when I think back of racing, it was all, Argh. in fact, I'm too afraid to join the Swift, the Zwift uh, Tuesday morning things or Tuesday night, because I want to be fast and I, I know I won't be, but anyway, um, one event in particular was the first ultimate challenge. No, it was the second or third one. It wasn't the first one. It was a later one. Uh, Tony Quinn was still around. And um, I don't know what drug Tony was on, but he just hammered from the start, just hammered. And, um, and I was feeling really good, strong. And we were passing people and we were up ahead. And well, I... I got to the bottom of Little Cottonwood Canyon and all of a sudden I could, I was, I could not pedal. I was one pedal stroke after another. And as I started to go up the canyon, I saw these guys laying in the side of the road, just laying in the gravel. And um, there were even some guys down in the river trying to, you know, cool off. It was so painful. And, um, Dan Moser comes up on me and says, hey, Gino, you having some trouble? And it was like, 
I can't swear in the podcast, can I? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was so mad at Moser because he, oh man, after all the, after all the times, um, he, he just had a chance to kind of put it in my face. And then he went on and had this great ride. But I think that was one of my darkest, <laughs> my darkest moments. And then um, right after that was loaded jaw. And it turned out I had bronchitis, which, which was the, the problem I had in that event. But I rode a loaded jaw anyway, and I got dropped like five miles into the race. And so I sat up on my bike and just chatted to, with groups of riders as they let me ride with them for a sec and then dropped me. And it was, it was my best loaded job. It was my, it was my slowest loaded job, but it was, it was the most fun because I didn't have any pressure and I just wrote it and um, had a smile and said hi to people and made a few jokes. And so those are my two Nice. my two uh dark and fun moments right what, what i will say about gino for those listening and we'll transition here Stu, i'll turn it to you but for those of you that ride with gino today may enjoy a very friendly calm gino as he is explaining about himself the gino that i rode with was that race intense intimidating um now not to say that that was in any way a bad thing because of the culture that it it drove to take it serious and train well. Um, but I don't know that uh, we are letting you off the hook, Gino, is what I'm saying <laughs> from the podcast with John. <laughs> I deserve it. Okay. <laughs> um, Chris, like looking back, um, you know, we don't obviously don't need life your your life story but um we've asked you to kind of maybe think about best and worst events or or moments that you've had a anything come to mind when it comes to um what what you've done with me dwelly in the past uh in the past years that you oh that you sure there, fun? all kinds of just just to add in a little on gino he's he's sort of the eddie Merckx of medulla he is he is the cannibal <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so truly yes yeah. so i i you know, I've always uh, in the past been pretty focused, but, you know, not like Gino or Dave. I think I'm still at a route. I'm in it for the adventure, but uh, I don't know, kind of the history. I've sort of always ridden and always been in it for what, how much can you do? How, how far can you go? How fast can you go? And this, of course, loaded jaw is particularly appealing to me. That was always a big draw. Um, and then the other races, I, I, sorry, I got mixed on the, uh, the two Everest. So the Everest I was referring to uh, is the Everest race in California. Mm. Um, that's a great race. That's um, definitely the funnest race. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, 30,000 feet of climbing over two days. Oh, um, so that's, that's, that's one of an incredible race. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of mischief and mayhem on that race between all of us there. So that was a good one. We traveled to for a few years. Um, Loaded jaw course that's front and center for everyone in the Dulé. Uh, a lot of the races uh, we've had around, we had some great races. The Chums race down in uh, St. George area for years was a good race. Um, uh, the Over the top, the uh, classic to uh, Evanston. That was a fun one. That one was pretty good for me because, you know, I've never been super good at anything, but sometimes a combination of a, a long day and a good climb, that's always worked for me. So I had some success in that race there. And, uh, 
you know, a lot like Gino is, is um, in the past few years, I focused a lot more on the mountainside. And I think that's, uh, it just allows me a little more progression. I'm never going to be faster on a road bike than I once was. And I was only, you know, moderately fast anyway. But uh, it's kind of fun because, you know, the mountain bike racing world, there's still stuff to learn. I'm still getting a little better. And Gino's been a great mentor for me there. That's been fun. It's been fun to help out, uh, pass it on a little bit uh, through the NICA world. I was able to help uh, coach some of the Skyline kids when that was first getting going a few years ago. And so, yeah, it's been it's kind of a cool run on some of this stuff. But again, I love it that Meduli has managed a very good balance between the we're a group of guys who are going to take care of each other. We're going to have fun, but this is a race team. Yeah. And we're, you know, let's, let's keep it. So it's just not nonsense. We want to have fun. We want to be, we want to put the O in stupid, but, <laughs> but we're going to be competitive on race day. That, that reminds me, that's an important part of the history of Miduele and, and where Chris and I kind of stepped in, you know, before us, Miduele um, funded a pro team. And that's what Miduele was about. That's where our money went to. And um, it wasn't, uh, you know, a broad club. It was all about racing. <clears throat> and, um, and then when Chris and I took over and we, we started to look at how much money went into that, one of the first things we did was stop that because we wanted to have a, a club that was broader uh, that, that more people could be a part of men and women, by the way. And, um, and I'm so, I'm so glad we made that decision because Miduele before that was pretty elitist. And so we had some work to do to, to change that. And I think it, it took a few years. You remember that Chris? Oh yeah. And it, you know, it, it really just had a different purpose back then. It, yeah. it, it wasn't really designed to be accommodating or friendly, uh, so again, there's, yeah, there's always certainly. a balance. That, that's an ongoing thing year to year in every club. You have to wrestle with that balance of who you are. We have always had the identity of going farther and climbing. You know, people, oh, yeah. you're a Medulla guy. You, oh, you guys go big. You know, so it's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys are just the dumbest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Before we move on, I want to, we want to do some advice, you know, from you guys, uh, kind of from your years of experience. But before we move on, I really do want to hear um, one of my favorite moments with Chris was we, we were riding up Mill Creek and he's like, I got to take it easy. You know, this weekend's BFR. And I was like, he kind of said it as if I was like, oh yeah, well, obviously I know what that is. And um, that was kind of where it ended. I was like, okay, well, BFR. Yeah, pff, obviously that's going to be so fun. Chris, good luck. Like I had no idea what he was talking about. And then uh, Scott Vaharan, Eric, uh, Eric, Eric Olson, yeah. Eric Olson, Paul Watson, Dan Chris, Dan Brown. They ride from St. George to Salt Lake. I mean, it's it, I think it's 315 miles, right? Just depends on the route. Yeah. So there's a different variation for BFR each year. And BFR is, don't get your mind out of the gutter. It's big fun ride. Big, big fun, fun ride. ride. Yeah, it's a family uh, podcast. Now, half the ride that may change. <laughs> that's that's less than twenty four hours, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I I just want to hear, Chris, the mind. Who you? I gotta know. I mean, we gotta know why. I mean, because you've also done, like I said, white rim. You did it forward and then backwards one time. 
I mean, uh, I just kind of want to know your mindset behind plan and stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the functioning thing there is lack of mindset. <laughs> if you're looking for some excuse or reason, it's just not there. The, uh, so the whole BFR thing, you know, it's kind of an evolution. I will, you know, loaded jaws, cool. Everybody wants to get that. You know, when you're kind of new at it, it's sort of a totem and not really a race. Yeah. But what comes out of that is, okay, 200 miles, I can do that. And that really wasn't a big thing. So what do you do? Do you turn around and ride home? You know, <laughs> what what's next? So the, the thing that kind of came out of that for me is like, well, can you do 200 miles? Can you do 300 miles? Oh, my God. So I just picked up and I planned it out in infinite detail and just rode Salt Lake to St. George. And I planned out the route so I'd be the right place at the right time of day for low traffic. And it was it was a solid plan, you know, building crappy headlights out of d-cell batteries and a pvc tube hooked up to a halogen light you know just cartoonishly bad stuff trying to get through the night but uh it just evolved out of that and then picked up another chris chamberlain wrote it uh the next summer with me and of course that's an adventure 2 a.m with chris chamberlain you just that's all you need to know then uh picked up more pretty soon ken jones is in and uh scott Vaharan. and then it's like well we can knock out the Salt Lake to St. George gig pretty predictably. How fast can we do it? So again, we've been making it in uh, oh, 18 to 20 hours riding time going through the night because it's cool and there's no traffic as you run from uh, Delta down to Milford and kind of the back way in there. So again, routes and everything evolving. So we kick it up further and decide, well, what happens? We made 300. We can knock that down. We're doing 300, 350, 365 as we do various routes starting say at the top of Bald Mountain Pass, because again, anything you can get downhill. So pretty soon we're starting at Chalk Creek at the Wyoming line, all the way to Arizona. And the uh, short version of that year is we made it with two minutes to spare. <laughs> so it was that intense. All right, so listen, listen to this. Just oh Chris, <laughs> Chris, Chris is out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and he's, he's hurting. He, he pops several ibuprofen and then he barfs, but he doesn't have any more ibuprofen, but he wants to take it. No, so no. What oh, does yeah. he do? <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> he picks the ibuprofen out oh my and takes it. I, I hope you swallow that with with you know, something that would embarrass something that would embarrass your dog but you know what happens on bfr is supposed to stay on uh, <laughs> i blew that one so. that was the I best am, story ever that might be the title of this podcast eating oh. ib eating ibuprofen from my own barf <laughs> I can't, that story it's fantastic <laughs> uh, i suffer me duele i suffer <laughs> oh that was so good, we so good. certainly do Chris, you were gonna leave that out you, you oh, weren't planning to get There's no way he's getting away with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, um, pay for that. you guys have a lifetime of advice. A lot of young riders on the team and a lot of new, new racers, riders, um, as the team evolves and changes. And one thing we obviously are conscious, always conscious of is the culture of the team and, and what we believe and, and kind of how the team organ is organized. Um, we asked you both to maybe share some advice, um, whether it's life advice or bike advice kind of doesn't matter uh whatever wisdom you want to share and and um uh anything else there chip before we kind of roll into that 
No, I'm looking forward to this uh, this race Bible that Gino carries around in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, do you want me to start, Chris? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I want to hear about this race. Do you have a name tag you wear on your shirt when you out those? <laughs> All right. Listen. First rule: if you have gas that you need to pass, <laughs> don't be stingy. Go to the front of the line and pass it. <laughs> it reminds me of a little cottonwood story chris you want to share that one? Oh my gosh you mean before or after they did the environmental impact up there <laughs> it was a foggy damp morning in little cottonwood canyon <laughs> they're riding through the clouds <laughs> oh my gosh chris, i don't think chris is gonna tell it maybe he's suffering but i had some gas it was the as i can, as I can say I've is there's about had. 200 yards of little cottonwood canyon just above tanner flats and there's still no vegetation and you can thank gino for that <laughs> I was there the are front. also there are also <laughs> half a dozen medulla prospects that will never come back to the team ever after Listen, that. i i heard like Everyone are you really died. leading are you really leading your advice with a fart story well yeah i mean it was the best and Every rider, like this team of riders, got to enjoy that moment. And I, I heard them express the, the enjoyment. We got up to Alta and turned around and went through that same spot. The smell was still there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no exaggeration okay. here, trust all right, me. All right, all right. Okay. But if you need to blow snot, go to the back of the line. I mean, seriously. So Judge Tony Quinn, he was famous for blowing his nose. I was always, I liked to ride behind Tony for, you know, he was big and it but was his a draft was like a semi, you know. But he, won okay, so he used to like blow his nose. I kept up, I uh, put up with that for, I don't know how many years. Finally, at the top of Brown's Canyon, one, one cold morning, he he blows snot all the way across my chest like this string of snot i i almost i almost barfed right right there but i was so mad i i rode up ahead and i just i kind of waited and then tony came and tony and i we had a little private chat he never did it again so anyone that rode with tony after that point can thank me for Tony not blowing, well, it's not on them. So pass gas, front of the line, blow snot, back of the line. line. Nice. Profound advice. All right, you got to roll into this next one. I really love this pace line mantra, Gino. Do you want me to pick something out or read this whole thing? I, I think it's all good. I would read it or share okay. how you want. Yeah. All right, this is, this is serious stuff here. This came after years of riding, uh, in, a, in, in, in races and groups of people I didn't know. And so I'm not, you know, this is not a Medwelly thing. It's just like pace line mantra, okay? That will win friends and, and influence people and will seriously likely prevent you and others from having serious accidents. Um, my group riding form will instill trust and will not cause harm. I'll hold my line. I won't overlap wheels. I'll brake smoothly. I won't create gaps. I'll work to close them. When it's my turn in front, I will control the urge 
to surge. I'll happily take my share of pulls, but we'll pull off before I fade. I'll call out debris, turns and stops. I'll keep an eye out for stragglers and help bring them up. If I get dropped, I won't release a string of profanity, at least not audibly. I'll have a few jokes and a smile to share, especially when the herd is there. And most of all, do not open food packets in a pace line. So uh, I think it could have been my first load of jaw. I think it was. And I'm riding in this small group out of the Montpelier feed zone. And we're, we're cruising along that moderate climb. And um, there, are, there, there, are two, there are three guys in front and the third guy's kind of alone. And then, and then there's me and I have about eight riders behind me. I see it, the rider in front of me pull out a cliff bar and put both hands on the same side of the bar to peel it open. And I go, oh, this is bad. This is bad. And as soon as he ripped it open, he shot across the road and he hit my wheel. My bike went sideways, but I kept my balance. And I go, oh, sweet. I kept my balance. And then right then I got mowed over by like eight guys. I had tire marks on my back and oh both my, my wheels were bent. I was so mad. So my my suggestion is don't don't eat in place in a pace line Good or pace eat line something mantra. that you know you can take out easily so that's my story good excellent pace line good. excellent advice good pace line mantra uh chris how about you what, what kind of comes to mind first if you want to share uh you know your wisdom out there you know i just say kind of keep an eye on who's with you and, and chat people up you know just to take it a little bit different direction i love the pace line thing because i think over time we've had smart, good pace lines. And I think people have prided themselves in that and paid attention to that. And it matters, you know, it's like, who do you trust? Who do you, you think of your friends, you're right. Who do you want to be with? Who do you want in your wheel? Who do you want behind you? So that's a great thing. But beyond that, chat people up, see in, in a race or whether it's just a training situation or just a ride, it's amazing what you learn, how that works, what kind of friendships you can build. Um, talk to people you know one thing Get chris does stories. one thing i love about chris and, and gino said it here was that um he says keep an eye out for stragglers and help bring them up that is really Very good. Uh, chris peterson mantra there you know he's always he, it's so funny because we're always like well where is so-and-so and here comes chris with them in the back like he's mm -hmm. always He's always back there watching out uh, and bringing a guy up from the back. So I love that about. Plus, plus uh, it's a really good cover when I'm just dropped and blown apart. You think I'm being <laughs> a nice guy. <laughs> That's good. Uh, All right, Gino, you've got a bunch more. You want to pick a couple more you want to go through? So I have a couple on the, these next ones come from years of um, bike commuting between Park City and Salt Lake for work. So hundreds of days riding up and down emigration and, uh, and parleys. So if you're riding along and you see a rider up ahead and he has hairy legs, <laughs> you know you can beat him. No, no question. <laughs> Unless he's a mountain biker, <laughs> then all bets are off. <laughs> um, and then uh, let's see, when you, when you come up on a rider, in the canyon, um, 
and you pass them, I, I would say just be gracious and maybe not say anything or maybe just like a really subtle hello. Because if you come up on a guy and you say, hey, how you doing? How are you having a good day? Having a good ride? You're just going to piss him off. You're mm. just, he's just going to think this jerk. I mean, oh man. And then, you know, um, if you get past in the canyon, uh, there's no need to say, oh, it's just my rest day. Or, oh, I just got done with it, an interval. <laughs> or um, I'm tapering because mm -hmm. it doesn't work. No one cares. So I've heard all those things. I've said all those things before. Uh, I just tell him I'm having a rest lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Um, any, any, yeah, keep going. Yeah, I was just, I think the last thing I want to say, and I kind of said it earlier, was, um, you know, I, I don't know, I doubt anyone in Miduela is getting paid to ride. And, and I don't think anyone's in the tour or in the World Cup. Um, and so being nice is, is important. And it's taken, it took me a long time to learn that, unfortunately. And because I just wanted to compete with everyone I, I rode with, mountain or road. And, um, and I have, I, I would just say that no matter how hard you're training or how hard the ride is, take a moment to, to look around at, at the beautiful place where we ride and enjoy the scenery. Um, and remember, you know, the reasons you're riding. Um, and when I say look around at the scenery, I, I would do that all the time, unless you're in a pace line, then just look at the guy's wheel in front of you and still just try to enjoy things. And and be kind, but you know, still try to pass everyone you can because that's really cool. <laughs> Chris, um, I I know that uh, this has come up in in podcasts before, but you know, a lifetime of trying to balance family, work, and this endurance sport. Any advice there on how you've kind of made it work for yourself? Yeah, well, I, I think we all wrestle with that. Um, I, I don't know if I've, I've achieved too much. I mean, the, the success I would like to have there, but I think just kind of establish what's normal, a routine, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, I, I get a lot of grief for being the Lord of darkness. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, if you get up at five and start riding, you get it all in before anybody notices you're missing. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, Dave Sharp alluded to this, uh, on the, uh, the other podcast and that's that, yeah, you're useless by nine 30 at night, but we just won't talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I tried the second I get home Saturday, I try to be present. You know, it's like, it's, I'm going to be home by noon and I'm going to be present. There's those days when you've just had the living stuffings kicked out of you. You can't even stand up in the shower, but I get out of that shower and I pretend like I'm happy to go out and be working in the garden. So <laughs> there's, there's no magic to that, but uh, just be present and then plan other stuff. Um, it is interesting. Uh, you know, you think of the, all the support that your family has to give things just, I mean, the literal support, all the, uh, the work it takes to uh, support a rider on low to jaw. I mean, my wife is so good at that, but uh, honestly, she doesn't love it. But at the same time, she looks back now, my kids grew up and we've gone from not having kids. My kids are big enough now they they can support me on loaded job but they look back on those family trips up there and they love it so just to try to include sometimes it's hard i mean i, I think we all wrestle with this but mm -hmm. just nice. be present when you're not on your bike 
doing chip I, I i would feel remiss if i didn't mention my miduela heroes um chris obviously and and scott and the uh bfr group but uh shauner and sharp absolutely uh, were really the ones that taught me how to hurt and um how to be how to at least try to be fast and um wanting to pass everyone you saw on the road but graciously mm -hmm. and uh Sharp Tim Jones is on that list too. Yeah, right up yeah there. I can for sure. Yep. You know, Gino, I think that you're, um, you know, Chip, I, when I, I only rode with you a few times on the road and Chip would always say, well, Gino now is, is more of a mountain biker. I think it might be interesting to share for a sec how you made that move. I mean, what, oh, that's what, an easy story. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was a year of crashes on the road. So, um, Bear Lake road race, you do, um, I think we did two, two laps in that category. I can't remember, but anyways, you come around toward the South end of the lake and the finish one year, this year, they put the finish up this little country lane. So you go off that super wide road into a driveway basically. And we all funneled in together and a guy came up on the side and his derailer caught my front wheel and I just launched. Um, my helmet was shattered and I had guys riding over me in a sprint. I mean, this was a sprint. It was a sprint finish. And um, I had, I still have a tire mark. And I thought, this is insane. And then um, it wasn't, oh, and I think that was the year of a loaded jaw crash or another bad crash. And I basically got really tired of, of guys piling up on me when, when I didn't cause it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really kind of got freaked out by, by the crashes on the road. And so um, living in Park City, there's, there are always mountain bike races up here. And I, and, and Holly, my wife, Holly, bought me a mountain bike that year. And she said, Gene, don't race your mountain bike. Just ride for fun. <laughs> so it didn't Not last possible. very long. That's but um, I started mountain bike racing and I was hooked because, one, the intensity at the start. It's mountain bike races, as, as you may know, they don't have a slow rollout like a long road race. Your, my heart rate is like 200 at the start of a mountain bike race. And it's just full on. But if you crash, it's your own damn fault. Mm -hmm. No one else is going to cause it. <laughs> and, um, and so I liked having that control. So I love the intensity of mountain bike racing. I loved racing in the, on the dirt and in the mountains. The falls are typically when you're going slower and in a techie section and you're falling in dirt rather than hitting asphalt at you know, 40 miles an hour no one piles on top of you and it's just super intense so that 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 was the switch good 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 switch well chip i think we're kind of coming in for a landing any any uh, questions or anything you else want to wrap up with no just would say again as we started the podcast we uh said thank you to these two for being able to to maintain, manage, run the team, um, allow the transition so that we have, you know, there are a couple hundred people 
uh, riders, racers on the team today that are listening here saying uh, thank you for um, managing the team, maintaining it so that we have what we have today, which is a, a very strong cycling community. So yeah, I, nice, nice work with the team. You guys have done just amazing work with the club. So way to go. It's just, it's stronger than it has ever been. Chris and I spent several months um, and had a lot of conversations about who to hand the team over to. So uh, that was a carefully thought out decision to we chose wisely. Hand it over to, to you two. So nice work. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks so well, much. We're grateful. All, All right, right, guys. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. We're going to wrap up. Uh, appreciate you both. And hopefully we'll see each other on the road soon. Yep. All right. Thank thanks you. all.